you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. compassion so glad to have you in the house of the lord today amen amen have you had a good week amen are you lying amen oh i'm sorry i got somebody stand up here beside me and i don't know why she's here she just walked up behind me and you know she she says she wants to be like pastor See, I can do this all day because Libby is so shy. This is just about out of her comfort zone right now. See, she's just about to, yes, yes. So I could have so much fun right now with all of this. But let me turn around and show them real quick. I wanted to bring Libby up today. You know, we continue our sermon series on uh, where are you? Last week we talked about the infant. Are you in the infant stage? And the week before that, we talked about the seeker stage. The seeker stage is you're not saved. You haven't given your heart life to Christ, but you've come to realization there's a hole in your life that needs to be filled, and you're seeking maybe either at a crisis, out of a benefit, or earnestly seeking God. Last week, we talked about being the infant stage, and that is as you're born again when you give your heart life to Christ. And in that infant stage, you're alive, alive in Christ. You're hungry. You don't know what you're hungry for, but you're hungry. But you're still dependent. Today's the teen stage. So I wanted to bring a typical compassion teenager on stage. Does she look like a typical? There's something in the Bible about humility. It ain't right here. No humility at all. So I'm going to talk to you today about the teen stage. The teen stage. Remember, I've been talking about being a fully devoted follower, moving to a fully mature follower. Okay? We, we got to start out being devoted, but we got to move from devoted to being a fully mature. And, and that fully mature has five stages. It has the seeker, the infant, the teenager, the adult, and the parent. Today we're going to talk about the teenager. So I'm going to give you three things that are typical of teenagers. Number one. No, it's, it's wrong. Come on. There we go. See, you just got to work with them all the time. It's just like God planned that on purpose for me. They're self-conscious, Amen. Now listen, remember, we talk about the infant stage. They're, they're what? Selfish. It's all about them. They can't help it. They're babies. Okay? It's all about them. Let me say something. It's still all about them. But we'll talk about that more in a few moments. The second thing we know about teenagers, they're independent. Let me rephrase that. They think they're independent. I'm grown. Well, you so grown, pay your own bills. You so grown, cook your own meal. You so grown, wash your own underwear. I'm not watching. 
Let's move on. Number three, they think they're invincible. They ain't going to get hurt. They'll do 150 down the highway thinking ain't nothing going to happen to them. They do all kinds of things because they think they're invincible. Well, I don't know if this one feels that way, but other teens do. Okay, so that's, that's how, they, okay, Miss Libby, thank you so much. You give Libby a hand. It is about time she's good for something. <laughs> we did not do this on purpose. We did not dress alike. I promise you. I walked in. I'm like, come on. And in fact, I almost wore that today. I was going to actually wear that very shirt, and I didn't, so praise God for that. <laughs> so those three stages, they're independent. They think they're invincible, but they're self-conscious. I'm going to tie that in today to the teen stage as a believer. But before I do, I want you to go to 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. And it says this, For the eyes of the Lord, Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for men and women that are devoted to him. God is looking for men and women who are devoted to him. And listen to what he says. I will strengthen their heart. I'm looking for men and women that are committed to me. Why? Because when I find them, <clears throat> I'm going to strengthen them. I'm going to strengthen their heart. Make it more powerful for God. Give them strength in their life that they never thought they had. But yet God has to find people. Listen, we're always asking for God's strength when we won't commit to him. We want God's blessing, but we're not willing to sacrifice for him. Do you hear me? Let go down. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Say the word with me. Three of you said that. If you didn't say that, you're immature, so let's try that again. Say the word again. Thank you. So we can become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Listen, two things that are spoken here. One is, we hear in 2 Chronicles, God is looking for fully devoted followers. Why? He, uh, he says, I want to strengthen you. If you are committed, a devoted follower, I will strengthen you. What does it mean when he says strengthen? I will mature you. I'm going to take you through a cycle. I'm going to take you through a process to become more mature believers. Then he lays out right here that God wants to mature the body. Let me say that again. Not just you. Look at your neighbor and say, stop being so selfish. See, Ephesians in Acts, she tells us 
that he gives the church apostles and prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. Why? To equip the church. Why? So we will come into full maturity in the unity of God. And was, let me tell you what that means. What God wants us all to do is be trained and equipped for what? The call that God has on your life. Why? So that the whole church, because we all do our call, what God has called us to do, God is saying, if you will do it, it will mature the body of Christ and give them what they need. But you've got to mature in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. I pray, Lord, that every heart and every mind will be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. And I pray today, Lord, not one, not one will leave this house the same way that they came, but be blessed by your word and your presence. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen and amen. So, what did we find out about the teens? We found out they're independent, they're invincible, and they're self-conscious. So I want you to write down the first one. Here's the first one. Natural teens are self-conscious like spiritual teens are now aware of others. Remember I told you about infants, they're, they're what? They're selfish, but they can't help themselves. They need mama. They need mama to feed them, mama to change their diaper. They need mama to put them to sleep. Mama, we just got back this week. My little Charlie girl was in a fashion show. She's already a model. She looked like her daddy, granddaddy. but with hair. <laughs> and listen, we, we couldn't just leave Charlie. We need to put Charlie in the corner somewhere and leave her by herself. She couldn't fend for herself. She needed us. We had to be there. We had to hold her, and we held her. And in fact, that poor little child got passed around all night long. It's like she just gets settled in somebody's arms, and me and Laura get in a fight. In fact, Laura, we got in a fight. And, no, I'm holding you're holding a fight. I kick Laura in the leg and punch her in the face, and... Then she took me down. <laughs> now, let me stop real quick. I'm not saying teenagers aren't selfish. But see, now a teenager is more aware of others. In fact, they become very self-conscious. How do I look? How do I look? Not me. I'm trying to be a teen. How do I, you know, they're, how do I look? How do I, how do, you know, they're, they're, they're worried about how do the, what, what do the boys think about me? Oh, did, 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 did Chad say something about me? <laughs> did Sally comment on my Facebook? Did she, did she, did she, did she, did she? They're not on Facebook, are they? TikTok. Get off of TikTok. For the love of God, get off of it. They're aware, you know, it's like the, what we call the cafeteria syndrome. You know, when you're in high school and you go to the cafeteria, but you're by yourself and you're praying, you're hoping there's someone in there that knows you. Because if you don't, you got to sit by yourself. And if you sit by yourself, you're a what? Loser. <laughs> I can remember those days. I'd go to, I'd go to the cafeteria and go to eat, and I'm like, please, oh, God, please, God, 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 please, 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 that's somebody in here that I know. They're self-aware. It's funny, our kids will say things now. They're like, Mom, you can't say that. Mom, you can't say that. Dad, you can't say that. Why can't I say that? Dad, the, the woke will get you. That's what they said to them. We said that one time. The woke will get you. I'm like, who? Huh? 
They're aware. It, it, it begins to be the same stage as a, as a Christian. You're saved now. But you're self-conscious that it's not just about you. See, at this stage of a believer, to, to grow into the maturity of Christ, you, you're realizing it's not just me. I'm more than born again. There are others that are seeing what I do and how I act. It's, it's at this stage that I've got to realize that, that I've got to change. And in other words, it's at this stage that I'm trying to move from the old system I used to live by to the new system God's called me to. I can't do things I used to do. I remember I was in high school and uh, you know, I, I got saved when I was seven, seven years old. And I was a Christian most of my life. And, and I wouldn't cuss when I was a kid. My, my, for some reason, my dad had really instilled in me what you say has a dramatic effect. And i never forget, I had a, a friend named Brett Johnson. I would ride with him on the way to school. And this was back before I had a license. I was probably about 15, 14. And on the way to school, he'd turn around and say, John, just cuss. Just cuss. Say this with me. Blankety, blank, blank, blank. And I, I'm not saying it. Say it with me, John. Blankety, blank, 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 blank. Say, I'm not saying it. I was aware that as a Christian, I needed to act a certain way. That, that I couldn't live. I, you see those shirts all the time. I'm a Christian, but I cuss a little. Have y'all seen those shirts? I hate those shirts. The Bible says blessings and curses can't come out of the same mouth. Stop thinking it's all right. Well, I can cuss a little bit. It's all right. It ain't all right. Stop it. Now, here's the funny thing. I wouldn't cuss. I didn't drink in high school. I didn't do any of that, but I fought all the time. I got kicked out of high school. I almost got arrested one time for fighting. I fought all the time. In other words, we'll pick and choose what system we think's okay. I never forget one day I got in a fight and just got through beating up a guy. And somebody said, aren't you a preacher's kid? Dang it. I said, you're so right. Lord, I pray you heal his body right now from all these broken... I do both. I'm just creating ministry opportunities. <laughs> Randy goes, uh-uh. That's just like sacrilegious. See, it's at this stage that you had to start realizing as a Christian, it's not just about you. There's others that are affected by what you do. But also this self-conscious, also you're like, should I say that? Should I shouldn't say that? I also, let me say this, you still got to be careful that you realize you were still saved by grace. Because I've seen some Christians get saved and they become so sanctimonious, self-righteous. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you did that. Oh my God, you're a terrible person. Did that look horrible? But you know what I'm talking about. I always tell people, be careful, never forget how far you are from grace. You were saved by God's grace. You were saved by God's grace. See, it's at this stage that you realize, I'm self-conscious, that it's not just about me, that, that God's got other plans. In Galatians 1.10, it says, I am now trying to win, I'm, I'm now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God. Question mark. Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, there also comes a moment that you've got to realize and stop being so self-conscious. You've got to put God first. 
Well, I'm, what do people find out if they find out I'm a Christian? They're thinking I'm one of those Christian fanatics. They're thinking I'm one of those freaky, freaky Christian people. What if they find out I'm a Christian? But what if they do? What if they do? That friend of yours has needed Jesus for a long time that's been living in the middle of sin. If you would show them the love of Christ, not self-righteousness, not religion, but a relationship, God can use you to change their life. <laughs> Philippians 2, 3 says this, doing nothing, nothing, say with me, nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, turn your neighbor and say, be humble. In humility, value others above yourself. See, it's at this stage that you're starting to come to an understanding. I've always made it about me. I've got to stop making it about me. I've got to start making it about others. The Bible says, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others says at this stage you've got to realize I'm self-conscious do I still make it about me do I make it about others number two write this down natural teens feel invincible like spiritual teens feel the need to break free I never forget when I got saved and it's like at that moment I, I knew everything about Jesus Anybody ever, when you first got saved you were so on fire for God. I mean, my father is a pastor. My father was a, a professor. My father was a bishop of a denomination. My father was a scholar, highly intelligent. But I remember having conversations with him. And, and I would say to him things like, I don't understand why everybody thinks the Trinity is so hard. <laughs> Pretty simple, Dad. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the one who's doing And my father laughed one day and he goes, oh, so I guess all those theologians and scholars for all these years have been debating and arguing over it. You finally know more than they do. <laughs> well, yeah, Dad, I do. See, it's, it's at this stage. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I ur urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is, let me say it again, holy and pleasing to God. Some of you keep offering your bodies. He's like, uh-uh. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen, it's at this stage that you want to break free and figure out what God's got for you. So I'll never forget when that happened to me. When I finally realized that everything my father told me didn't mean I agree with everything he said. I, I finally had to find my God, not the God of my father. Does that make sense? Not that my father was wrong. My father was way more intelligent than me, a greater preacher than I would ever think about being, and a greater theologian. But there were some things when I sat down and I started looking, and I realized that I had to break out on my own and realize he says this, but I don't know if I totally agree with that. And it's okay. It's okay. See, it's at this stage, and listen, let me ask this question to you today. You need to find out if you're at this stage. That you're yearning to know more about God. You're yearning to break free. And well, well, Pastor, you're talking about the younger ones. No, I'm not. I've seen 55, 65-year-old immature Christians. 
You are still living the same way you lived when you were 25 years old as a Christian, and you're still living the same way today. It ain't got nothing to do with age when it comes to that walk with Christ. It has all to do with your desire to say, I'm in the infant stage and I'm going to move to the teen stage. I'm in the teen stage and I'm going to strive to move to the adult stage. I'm in the adult stage, but I'm going to move to the parenting stage. I never rest on my loyals as a Christian or as a believer. I realize that what I did three years ago and believed three years ago, I believe a little different now because I realize I had to break free and begin to learn who God was for myself. Amen. Listen, there's things, I, in fact, I had a, this week I was on the phone with a friend of mine and we were talking about the scriptures and, and, and things that we were part of, the part of the denomination we've been a part of and we were talking about that we didn't agree with and we didn't believe with. And Why? Because I finally had to venture out on my own. Let, let me say this to you today. In the teen stage, you've got to still be hungry like it was in the infant stage. Lord, I want the word. God, I want the word. Give me the word. God, I, listen, it's at this stage, and I'll talk about this in a few minutes, that you better make sure you got mentors in your life. Because if you don't, I always make sure I've had mentors in my life that helped me along the road, that helped me along the path. See, remember, there's that old value system that before you got saved that you live according to. Now you've got to live to the new system. The Bible says you're under a new law. It's called the Christ law. And as in a believer in Christ Jesus, and I'm going to live by the Christ law, then I've got to know what it is, which means I've got to be studying, I've got to be reading, I've got to be listening. But let me say, at the teen stage, you will have a tendency sometimes of wanting to go backwards because you struggle with rebellion. Anybody got a teenager that is rebellious? Anybody want us to pray for deliverance of that demon today? Bring them down. Just sitting right here. We're just going to pray for their deliverance. That brings me to the next point. Write this down. Natural teens want independence. Like spiritual teens struggle with authority. Natural teens want independence. Like spiritual teens struggle with authority. You know, we got... Two teen, well, one teenager now. We had to have a little talk with her last night. Nothing bad, just a little talk. And she was trying to set us straight. <laughs> well, you don't know. Oh, we know. I mean, my wife are trying to have a conversation saying, honey, we love you. We just want the best for you. Just listen to what we're saying. It turns out, you know, it always turns that way first. Oh, honey, we love you. And then by the end, it's like, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to come and wear you. I don't care if you're in college. I will come beat your butt in the middle of the classroom. And don't get me started on that. Well, somebody need a parents need to whip your kid's butt. I, I, we don't do that. We don't. Okay. <laughs> then if you don't want to do it, bring your child to my house. I'll, I'll take care of them. Amen. And I know I'm making some of your parents mad right now. I don't care. Because your child is a brat. And I'm tired of dealing with them. Spare the rod, spoil the child. 
You love your children, you'll discipline them. See, it's at this stage that you're going to struggle. And let me tell you why. Anybody here struggle with authority? Raise your hand. Be honest. Yeah. Can I tell you that you struggle with authority is a big tool that the devil will use in your life to cause you havoc and problems? Well, you don't understand all the bad authorities I've had. And I've seen some bad, amen, I have too. I've seen some bad preachers and some preachers fail and make mistakes. I've seen preachers do things wrong. I, I have. I've seen leaders in church do stupid things. But can I tell you this, that if you'll learn to submit to the authorities that are above you, God will bless you. About half of you clapping. You rebellious people ain't clapping. I, I want you to hear me when I say this. You cannot, as a believer, not submit to the authorities. I'm just not going to spend nobody. Okay, next, that cop pulls you over on the way home. He pulls up, walks you across. Hey, I'm not listening to you, officer. I'm not listening to you. Okay, but you're about going to jail. I'm telling you, you got to learn to submit to authorities in your life. The struggle with a teen Christian, a spiritual teen Christian, is they will struggle to listen to others. They think they know it all. I'm grown. And the problem is, is your rebellious spirit. The Bible says rebellion is unto witchcraft. In other words, if you're rebellious, you're a witch. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a witch. Listen, I'm not telling you to hide your head in the sand and, and do everything a leader tells you. If the leader tells you according to the word of God, you do it. If it goes against the word of God, you don't do it. Amen? As your leader, I will never tell you to do something that goes against the word of God. And if I do, you better question me. In fact, I'll tell you what I say all the time. Every Sunday when I preach a sermon, go home, take my sermon, digest it, tear it apart. And if I ever preach something that is not God's word, you have full authority to come back and question me about it. Full authority. I'm going to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> Let me explain why. As a teen Christian, you'll struggle to allow authority to speak in your life. You cannot grow as a Christian without mentors, without spiritual mothers and fathers. Without, the Bible, Jesus always sent out the disciples in twos. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. That's why I tell you it is so imperative that you, one, are in the word. Two, that you are in church. Hear me when I say this. You need to be in the house of the Lord because when you do, it holds you accountable to the life you're living. Why? Because I've watched you on Facebook that week doing stuff you shouldn't do. When you come to church, somebody, I'm like, come here. Come here, Randy. You know you shouldn't have said that. It was wrong. Randy, I love you. I love you with the love of Christ, but you know you shouldn't have done that. See, if you're in this stage and you still struggle with authority, there's a problem. Don't blame the authority. If every authority has somehow hurt you, it probably wasn't the authority. It was probably you. It's at this stage that you have to submit and say, God, I'm going to listen to what you've got planned for my life. Listen to Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. 
do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Hear me. If you're in this stage, somewhere, can I tell you what not submitting to authority is? It's one word. Trust. You've got to trust somebody somewhere, somehow. You've got to believe in somebody. You've got to allow somebody in. You've got to let someone help you. You've got to give someone the benefit of the doubt. You've got to stop thinking everybody's against you. You've got to stop thinking everybody's coming for you. You've got to realize that we are the body of Christ and we are to love one another and be there for one another and help one another. Is this you? And let me say this. For us who are mature in Christ, how do we help these teens? We love on them. In the moment that they, they're independent, we give them grace and we love on them. But we still bring correction. Amen. In this moment where they feel invincible and they can do whatever they want to do, we need to help them realize, listen, you, you, you need to stop. It's not going to help your ministry. It's going to hurt your ministry. It's not going to help your testimony. It's going to hurt your testimony. I don't know where you are on this stage. If you're a teen today, it's time you start trusting others. It's time you realize you're not invincible. It's time you realize that there are others around you that are watching what you do and what you say and how you act. Listen, you cannot continue as a believer to be out there living that life you used to live. Getting drunk every weekend and then inviting people at work to come to church with you. They ain't coming. They want out of that lifestyle. But you're telling them that's the lifestyle they need to be in. Pastor, it's all right to drink. The Bible says to be drunk is a sin. Don't make me jump on it. Your life needs to look different now that you are saved compared to before you were saved. Y'all don't mean it. Stand with me. I want you to become a fully mature believer in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, hear me, hear me when I say this. There are rewards and blessings and abundance that comes as a fully mature believer. Probably about 65% of this church, you're what I would call baby Christians. There's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to start growing. What is wrong with that if you've been a baby Christian now for 35 years? Get off the pacifier. Get off the bottle. In fact, that's what Paul ends up saying in 1 Corinthians. He said, I've been giving you milk because that's all you can handle. It's time you get on some meat. Let me tell you why this is so important. I'll close. Every one of you sitting in this house, God has a purpose for your life. God's got a direction for your path. God has got a will for you. Remember the first passage I read? See, there's a reason why God puts apostles and prophets, evangelists and teachers and pastors in a church. Why? To mature the body. 
See, we take that passage individual. It's not. It's group. In other words, if every one of you would step up and do what God's called you to do, teach, lead, be on the praise team, greet in the hallway, lead a small group, love on people, whatever it is. If every one of you would do your job, the Bible says that this church would mature. We'll raise the maturity level. You ever got around a group of people and you felt like your maturity level went down? I had a good pastor friend of mine last night. I had tape on his nose pumping there, and he was saying something. I'm like, oh, my God, what is he saying? His maturity level just dropped a whole another level. We, as the body, should raise the maturity level of those that, that are new that come in this house. Amen. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today, And say, Pastor, I, I'm in this stage, but I know that I've got to learn to submit to authority. I've got to learn to, to care about those around me. I've got to learn to stop making it about self and make it about others. Lord, Pastor, I, I know that I've got to stop being so independent and realize it's not just about me. If you're in this stage, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Just be honest. Yes. Lord, I pray for every hand that is raised. And I ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you bless them right now. That you bless them right now, the Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord. As they are in this stage, nothing wrong with it, Lord. But just help them to mature and walk through this stage. And get through the next stage, which is an adult. I just pray today you be with them in their journey and their path. With every head bowed, every eye closed, one last question. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but you would like to invite him to your life, make him the Lord of your life, then I just want you to raise your hand right now. There's anyone here today who say, I don't know Jesus, but I don't want to die and go to hell. I want to make him the Lord of my life. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and love. Believe that as a son of the living God, died on a cross for you, rose on the third day, and with your mouth confess him Lord of your life, and you shall be saved. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Is there anybody? I've got one anymore. I've got one. Give God praise. Well, all of you, not just the one that raised your hand, but all of you, say this prayer with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. As a new name's been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you to my heart and into my life. Forgive me of all my sins and all my ways. I repent and I come to you and ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. Amen. Give God praise this morning. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.